Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. What's up? Everybody, it's good to see you. Always good to be back in the great city of Beloit with my Central Christian family. Yay, yay. Yeah, and everybody, uh, for this morning, I wanted to start off our time together this morning with this idea of things and stuff we love, things and stuff that we love. And so I got some pictures I want to show you. First thing that I know I love and I think we love, food. Praise God. Oh, God. Yeah. I think I'm going to have that. Woo, yes, Jesus. God is good. This is for the kids right here. I can't eat like this like I, like I used to, but I still get out every now and then. For the vegetarian Christians in the house, please forgive us, but this is how I like to roll. But food, uh, the other thing uh, that we love, family. I know uh, my family is here. Um, I fight for my family. Our, my family is the reason why I get up every day and get after it. Look at little Plum Plum right there at the bottom. He's so cute. Family is what it's all about. Why can't we ever get the babies to look at the camera? I just, I don't understand it, but it's so great. And family is precious. And, you know, we got a lot of folk in church today, and it's good to see everybody. But I know everybody still is not quite walking with Jesus that are here. And, and, and if that's you, you may love this group of people right here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and for the people that are clapping, it's just letting me know I just got that much more work to do in prayer <laughs> for you guys. Because for the rest of us who have accepted Jesus and are walking with God, you know, we worship God's team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Well, everybody, I know we don't always agree on Bears Packers, but I think we can agree we love this guy right here, the greatest pastor on the planet. Yeah, my dog, that's my dog. And I will tell you, Pastor Dave, on his last week of his study break, is ready to bring the heat next weekend. He told me, Ray, I I wanted to be back uh, two weeks ago. So he is ready. Man, I'm probably read about five books. He is ready for us. You don't want to miss next week when he's back loving on us the way he does. And if we can turn it up for Pastor Dave, we can certainly turn it up for this dude right here. Hallelujah. Love you, Jesus. Love you. So those are kind of things that we love. And when we think about love, everybody say love. Uh, what is the opposite of love? You know, it's a, somebody says it's a thin line between love and hate. And um, I also compiled some stuff that I know I personally have a real disdain for, and I would even hope in the Christian church, we'd have little to zero tolerance for stuff like this. But here's a couple of things that I listed. Domestic abuse, any type of abuse, child abuse, domestic abuse. And, and the reason I listed this is because this is more rampant in the church than even we give credit for. And, and we got to say no to this. Here's something else. Um, racism. To, 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 to think that there would be people that would hate people for stuff that they have absolutely no control over, uh, born, different pigmentation, different nationality, is troubling to me. I hope we as a church can be leaders in seeing this finally 
uh, be changed. Here's another one. Um, this is a cute little skit, um, but it's really, really sad. I, 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 I deem this a systematic poverty, a systematic poverty, and, and, and it's that, that space where it seems like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and there's a big gap in between where we live in the greatest country on the planet where there's so much resource that we can do so much good with, particularly in the Christian church, right? I'd like to see that switch. And another thing that I didn't list and that didn't make the slides is what I struggle with is those people who enjoy persecuting others for the sake of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know there are people who die every day for the sake of the gospel? And, and there are people who enjoy killing them or persecuting them. And I really struggle with that. And so when we think about uh, that stuff and some of the stuff that I listed, some of you, that hit real close to home for you. That's, this, that's real life for you. That stuff that I listed and some other stuff that I didn't list. And you like, yeah, and I'm justified, Ray, because quite honestly, I got some hate in my heart. I got some stuff that I'm dealing with. Man, I'm really struggling because that deadbeat dad of mine that left me when I was four, five years old, left my mama, left all of our siblings to struggle. Man, I struggle with that dude. I hate him. You know, that, that, that dude, that so-called man, who married me, then beat me for years, then left me for a younger woman, left me to struggle, took my self-esteem, took my self-worth. I hate that dude. Yeah, that person that said they had my back, who said that loved me, and they literally stole from me, and they call themselves a Christian. Yeah, I got some struggle, man. I hate that dude. If we be honest, some of this is real for us. And as we've been walking through this series the last several weeks of this upside down, right, we live in this current reality where the world has programmed us. When we deal with that type of stuff, this is how we ought to respond. But Jesus on the other side in the parallel universe is teaching us that we got to act in a whole nother space. And how do we do that? It's really, really difficult. I don't know about you, but this series has challenged me more than any series that we've ever done here. This idea of what it looks like to live above the norm. And this morning, everybody, I'm challenged with another task to share something that's really going to be hard for us to do. This idea of what it looks like to love our enemies. To love our enemies. And if I was to ask you guys right now, if you be honest, it's just us. It's just us. It's just us family. How many of you guys can honestly say you got, you got an enemy? You, 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 got a, you, got a, you got an enemy. You're eight years old, baby. You got an enemy? <laughs> Boy, see, that's why you came to church today. We're going to deal with that, right? Because right? it affects all of us whether we want to recognize it or not, right? And so Jesus steps out in Matthew chapter 5, and he starts off in verse 43 talking about this. He says, he says, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Somebody say enemy. The word enemy for my note takers this morning is a word that literally means uh, uh, um, people who oppose you and people who try to hurt you, right? And as Jesus is talking about this idea of, of, of enemy, um, he is talking about this as a segment of his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And he is teaching this from a saying that they got 
back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. In Leviticus 19, chapter 19, verse 18, the verse says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so some of you are listening to that, and you're like, oh, I got this. It's good. I love this message. Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. I'm good with that. I can love the people that I'm close to. I can love the people that I'm connected to. I can love the people that I got something in common with, and I can hate everybody else. Great talk, Ray. See you next week. No. Yeah. So watch this. He says, um, watch this. He says, you have, go back to verse 43. He says, you have heard it was said. Somebody say, you have heard. Yeah. In other words, Jesus is stepping up and saying, uh, your interpretation of this scripture is a little bit off. Have you ever connected with some folk and, 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 they, and you're talking about the Bible and they say, okay, yeah, that's fine, but that's your interpretation of scripture. Yeah, 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 that's your interpretation of scripture. This is how I interpret the scripture for my life, right? And so many times what we do is we'll take a passage of scripture and try to make it fit what we do versus asking a question, uh, is your interpretation of scripture accurate or inaccurate? Because that's the bigger question. And Jesus is stepping up right here, and he's saying, look, forget what you heard. I'm going to tell you what the passage really means. And in Matthew chapter four, uh, 5, verse 44, he says, but I say to you, say but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now, don't run out and leave. I know this is hard because some of y'all like, love your enemy? Really? I'm out. All right. Don't, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. I need you to hang in there with me and help me uh, as Jesus helps us walk through this passage. Because quite honestly, if we be honest, some of us, we got some stuff that we need Jesus to do some operating on this morning. And so before you leave, I think in order for us to even have a chance, everybody, to get this done, because this is a hard piece right here. In order to get this done, we got to answer three questions. The first thing we got to answer is, number one, who are our enemies? Number two, why should we love our enemies? And number three, I think the big question is how can we love our enemies? All right? If we even got a chance of getting this done today, we got to answer the question of who the why, and the how. All right? Y'all going to try to hang with me? I got to do it right there in the middle like, I don't like this sermon. Ray, you got five minutes to make this make some sense. Okay, okay, okay. Let me go to work. First thing I need you to get is everybody, uh, Jesus, as he is correcting this misinterpretation of Scripture in Leviticus 19, what he wants us to be clear on, everybody, is that he doesn't have two commandments here. He has one. You know, in Matthew uh, 5.43, he says, love your neighbor. But then he comes back in Matthew 5.44, and he says, but I also love your enemy. It sounds like two statements, right? Two commands. And, and what he wants us to see here, everybody, is this isn't two commands that he's given us. It's just one. So what he's really saying here is, everybody, I got one command. Love your neighbor, and I mean even, somebody say even, if your neighbor is an enemy. 
okay? A couple of y'all with me, a couple of y'all getting me to side look like uh, you're reaching, Pastor Ray. I'm not, I'm not seeing that in this passage. Well, see, I believe that's what he's saying here because Jesus shows up a little bit later in Luke chapter 10 and connects the dots for us when a lawyer walks up to him and he's like, uh, Jesus, got a question for you. Uh, uh, what I got to do to gain eternal life? And, and, and this lawyer was actually an expert of Mosaic law. That's who this guy was. And so Jesus knew that this dude was an expert in the law. And so as smart as Jesus was, he was so brilliant when people approached him. He rarely ever answered a question with a direct answer. He would always kind of go the back door. And in this case, he does it with his attorney. He doesn't answer his question with an answer. He answers his question with a question. Because he wants to see what this lawyer's thinking was as it pertained to the question that he asked for himself. And so Jesus approaches him and he says, uh, uh, well, check it out. Uh, what do you read there? Uh, 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 what's written in the law? And the lawyer's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus comes back and he affirms the guy for giving the right answer. He's like, yes, that's the right answer. Hercules, 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 right? And then, and then he says to him, do what you just said. Do that and you will live. But that wasn't good enough for this attorney. The lawyer comes back and he says, yeah, but Jesus, uh, who my neighbor is? You see it? That's what he said? Yeah, who my neighbor is, right? Right, 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 right. And, 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 and the reason why he asked that question, everybody, is because the lawyer understood that there would be some people in his life that he just couldn't love. And so what he was trying to do, well, he was trying to make the Scripture fit his own comfort level of how he would operate in this area of love. And so Jesus, being a brilliant teacher that he was, like, I see what you own. I got you. And so, again, he asks his question. Jesus doesn't answer his question with a direct answer. What does he do? He tells a story. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, he says, now check it out. There was a Jewish man. Say Jewish man. Who was traveling down from Jerusalem to uh, Jerusalem down to Jericho and was attacked by bandits, stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. Verse 32, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, young people, old people, middle people, did y'all read that the way I just read it? I mean, this kind of blew me when I read this at first because I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, we got a dude that's jacked up, need help, down for the count, Right? You remember the Life Alert commercial? The lady, boom, I'm falling, and I can't get up. That's him. All right? Down, jacked up. And the people that's supposed to be a blessing to him walk by. Can I put it in the 2019 vernacular for us? A preacher, the Bible says. The priest, a preacher walked up to him. And not just any preacher. The Bible says it was, he was Jewish. That guy was Jewish. He was a priest. He was a preacher. Walked up, or actually didn't walk up to him, but the Bible says he saw him as he was walking by, was like, oh, my dear, that is so troubling. I guess I should pray about that. And just, and just kept walking. And to make matters worse, the, the temple assistant, I'm going to call him the associate pastor. Not me, but somebody else. <laughs> right? The Bible said, walked up to the dial. You, you saw it? 
walked up and looked at him. Was like, whoo, that's terrible. Let me take a picture of him from my Instagram page. I'm going to put him on Snapchat. It's going to be something we're going to talk about later. And then just walks away. Who does that? Right? The people that's supposed to love, the people that's supposed to bless, the people that's supposed to care for somebody that's down, walk right by him. And I hope we in the church never turn a blind eye to somebody that's in need. Right? But of everybody that's all about this Jewish man, the Bible says in verse 33, he said, it says, Then a despised Samaritan, say Samaritan, Samaritan, came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Say compassion. Now let's start with Samaritan. One more time, say Samaritan. Everybody, why is that significant? Well, the Bible says that the guy that was beat up was what? What was he? He was Jewish. So you need to understand, everybody, Samaritans and Jews... They can stand each other. They were literally enemies. All right? Uh, Jews looked at Samaritans as low class, uh, didn't follow the law, and half-breeds because they married outside of their race. All right? And so Jewish people were like, whatever. That's how they felt about Samaritans. They were literally enemies. Right? And of all the people, when you think about it, and, and, and can I say this? Um, it's interesting. Now, I'm going to come back to that point. Of all the people that would show compassion to this Jewish man, it was a Samaritan that showed compassion. And I say that to say this. Uh, be very careful uh, who you pledge your allegiance to and who you shun. It's real easy for us to connect with folk that we're comfortable with, that look like us, that act like us, that believe like us, that walk like us, that talk like us. But can I tell you something? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody said, hey, I got you. Whenever you need, whatever you need, if you need me, I'm there for you. And when you really needed help, there was nowhere to be found. And it's amazing how God will use people that you never thought, that you never knew, that you never even thought you connected with to bless you at a time of need when you need it the most. Yeah, that's what happened here with this scenario. This Samaritan, the least most likely candidate, stepped up and the Bible says had compassion for him. Say compassion. Well, why do you think he had compassion for a guy that was his enemy? that had this such low view of him. Uh, the word compassion literally means somebody who has a sympathetic, I'm going to read it. It, 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 it is uh, somebody who has a sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. They have a sympathetic concern. See, everybody, it's hard to be sympathetic over something that you, you, you yourself have never experienced. But when you know what it's like to be shunned, when you know what it's like to be looked over, when you know what it's like to be stepped over, it's a whole lot easier to connect with somebody that's in that same situation that you've been in because you know how it feels. And all I want to say to somebody in the room today, at the end of the day, I don't care if you're white, black, brown, rich, poor, the other, married, single, divorced, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be appreciated. Everybody wants to be valued. Everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants to matter. This Samaritan got that. And I think when he saw that guy down, he like, I know what that feels like. I need to do something about it. And look what he does, everybody. Look, verse 34. 
The Bible says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed him over to the innkeeper, two silver coins. And he told the innkeeper, hey, take care of this guy. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'm going to pay for it the next time I'm here. Now, what's amazing, everybody, about this type of love displayed by this Samaritan is this Samaritan, everybody, you can see went way above what was comfortable, what was convenient, or what was even culturally acceptable. The Bible says he touched the guy, right? He put his hands on him, bandaged him up. Listen, uh, Jews not only hated Samaritans, they would never touch him. The Bible teaches us, man, even if, if a Jew's shadow touched a Samaritan, they'd be like, oh, snap, I got to take a bath, nasty Samaritan. Ah. Yeah, for real. Not only did this guy touch this guy, he sacrificed for him, spent his own money, put him in his own G-ride, the donkey, right? You know, chilling in the car, he spent all day waxing, and this guy put him in his car, right? Bloodied up, bandaged up, took him to an inn, and then he says to the innkeeper, hey, whatever he need, in the 2019 vernacular, uh, uh, if he need room service, if he need a doctor visit, if he need rehab, take care of it, I got it, it's on me. And what's crazy about this is Jesus comes back and says to the attorney, now, which of these three people was a, a neighbor to this guy? The preacher, the associate pastor, or the Samaritan? And the lawyer says in verse 37, well, it's the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus is like, yep, now you go and do the same thing. In other words, Jesus says, love your neighbor. And even, say even, even. if your neighbor is an enemy. And what's crazy about how this Samaritan church Love this guy. This Samaritan had the highest regard of the wants and the needs of this Jewish man with demonstration, despite having full knowledge, watch this, that if the tables were turned and it was him in the exact same situation, in the exact same predicament, dealing with the exact same pain, the chances were slim to none that that dude would have done the same thing for him. And yet he blessed him. Yet he served him. Yet he sacrificed for him. Church, that's love. Yeah. yeah. The Bible is teaching us, Jesus is saying, now, you call yourself a Christian, can you love like that with no expectation of anything in return? All right? Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus is teaching us here, everybody. Our neighbor is the person that looks like you and, say and, the person that's lighter than you or darker than you. Who is my neighbor? Well, your neighbor is the person who has the same political views as you and, somebody say and, the person who is far to the right or to the left of you. Ooh, it got quiet there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who is my neighbor? They are the person who will give their last to bless you and their last to help you and, somebody say and, and the person that you know is hating on you, the person that you know will walk up to you when he see you down and out, look at you with their judgmental nose and be like, yep, I knew you wasn't all that. Look at you now. All right? And Jesus is saying, yeah, and I know how crazy that sounds, but I'm telling you, I want you to love your neighbor, even if your neighbor happens to be your enemy. 
And this is a hard lesson to teach now that we know who our neighbor is. And some of you, you want to know the answer to the second question right now. Okay, I, I, I got the who, but right now you got to tell me why. Because who does this? Right? And some of y'all are like, why? And some of y'all are like, why? I came to church today to hear this. Why, God? Why? Right? Why I got to love my neighbor? Why I got to love my enemy? Here, I'm, I'm going to help you. Here it is. Verse 43 says, you've heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Watch this. In order that, somebody say in order that. In order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. All right. Now, really quickly, uh, I want to show you a picture of my family. Now, they're here. I didn't want to put them on the first display, but this is the most recent picture of my squad. Everybody's here. Um, my wife is a gift from God above. I said it. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Yeah. 27 years together, 23 years married. And these are my four beautiful children. Yeah. My four children who I never talk bad about when they're not here. Right, everybody? I, I never do that. I never do that. Uh, but they're all here. And everybody, uh, as you look at this picture, I tried to zoom in, in as closely as possible. Um, can you guys see where any of my children look like me? Yeah, one or two of them. One or two of them. Right. So, so, so if you look closely, you will see that many of my children have some distinct characteristics that favor me. They look like me. They look like the father. But not only do my children look like me, but they also talk like me. Now, when you talk for a living, you give your children a whole lot of ammo. Right? And so what's fun about in our house is uh, not only because I preach and teach and I'm speaking all the time, they have ammo there, but, you know, little intricacies that I do around the house and little sayings that I have, they pick up on that and, and they tease me about some of the things and phrases that I will say, particularly at, at, at certain times, right? And so uh, they, they not only look like me, but they talk like me. They talk like me. But not only do my children look like the father and they talk like the father, they also act like me. Have you, how many of y'all got kids? And how many of you have been in a situation when you saw your kid do something and it was something that you would do and it wasn't a good thing? <laughs> yeah, like you saw them snap on somebody and you was like, Whoa, oh, God, I know where they got that from. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So not only do my children, they, 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 they look like the father. They talk like the father. They also act like the father. Y'all starting to get this, ain't you? Yeah. And watch this. When I read this verse, if you read it too quickly, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that, say in order that, you may be sons of your father in heaven. If you read that too quickly, everybody, it'll sound like that there's something that you got to do to earn your way to be in a family or that you got to work to perform to get into the family, if you read that passage too quickly. But for, in, in my children's case, do they have to perform to be my children? No. no. Do they got to work to be my children? No. no. They are already established in, in the family. So really what we're saying then is uh, if that's the case, uh, what they do is only a byproduct of who they're connected to. 
oh God, oh God, oh God. I'm going to try it again. See, 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 if you're in the family, if you're locked in, right, if it's clearly established that you belong to him and he belong to you, then what you do is only a byproduct of who you're connected to. Okay, thanks for the false enthusiasm. You still ain't there. Okay, okay, here it is. See, see, when this verse, everybody is saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father, what it really means and the why behind why we got to love our enemies is because Jesus is saying, I want you to love and pray for your enemies in order that you may show you are sons of the father. In other words, what I'm saying is, I want you to show the whole world so that they can see what family you belong to. And just like my children, you can't fake what family you belong to. Because at the end of the day, what's in you is what's going to come out of you. Right? Yeah. Because ultimately, who you're connected to and what's in your life it's what's going to come out of you. That's why he says, everybody, in verse 46, for, you know, if you love those who love you, what reward is that? I mean, don't even the tax gatherers do that? And, and if you greet your brothers only, what more do you do than others? Don't even the Gentiles do that? And can you see God, Jesus, making a distinction between groups of people? He's like, listen. There's a group of people that does this. There's a group of people that does that. In the world, they do this. But look, you're in the world, not of the world. And so at the end of the day, I need you to walk, talk, act like you're connected to me, my family, so that this world can see something different. Yeah. Yeah. Our world needs to see something different. It's dark in this world. And at the end of the day, what our world needs to see is light. And guess what, everybody? The Bible says that if we let our light shine, we give, we get, we, we get seen, but he gets glory. And can I tell you when light shines the brightest? Light shines the brightest, everybody, when it's dark. What a great opportunity for us to do something different and shine our light, particularly as it pertains to this space of what it looks like to interact with our enemies. Now, that's the first reason. But here's the second reason. The second reason why we need to love our enemies is because we recognize that we too were enemies of God. Oh, you need a scripture. You didn't say amen to that. Let me help you. Yeah. Romans chapter 10 verse, excuse me, Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says this. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God, watch this, was restored, say restored. That means it was disconnected and had to be brought back to, to togetherness, right? By the death of his son, while we were still his Yeah, I love it. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. I think sometimes, everybody, we forget. We forget uh, we didn't come out of mama's womb talking about praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Right? There was a period of time in our life, if our life got flashed on the big screen, yeah, thank you. I heard somebody like, oh, God, not that. Right? For everybody to see, yeah. Because there was once upon a time a time when we did our own thing and lived our own life and made our own choices and was all about three people, me, myself, and I. Right? 
And the Bible says, while we were yet living our own life, while we were yet doing our own thing, while we were yet not thinking about God, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says Jesus Christ died for us. Right? And if he did that, if we too were his enemies, how can we not then give that away to somebody else? The Bible says he did for us what the Samaritan did for that Jewish man. See, our life was all toe up. We were down from the count, helpless, half dead in our sin. And Jesus had to come and pick us up. Jesus had to come and clean us up. Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus had to come and take care of us. And then he said to God, I mean the innkeeper, I mean God, I mean the innkeeper, hey, Father, whatever that dude need, whatever he need, it's on. Come on, somebody. Ain't Jesus good? It's on me. Yeah. I love you, Jesus. And so why do we love? We love because who we're connected to is a byproduct, right, of what we do. But secondly, we love because we were enemies too. And so as I close this out, I think the big question is now how? How do we love our enemies? Well, here it is. I'm going to close with this. In order to love, we must first be willing to forgive. In order to love, we must first be willing to forgive. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The only way, everybody, we love is we got to first be willing to forgive. Somebody say forgive. Well, why do we need to forgive? Well, remember the whole definition of enemy. What is enemy? An enemy is somebody who opposes you. An enemy is somebody who tries to hurt you. Can I tell you something? If somebody tried to hurt you or if they were successful in hurting you, you offended. And if you offended, you need to forgive. Right? And so you're like, okay, Ray, I got it. How do I do that? Great question. Glad you asked. Look at verse 48. And we're going home. He says, therefore, you ought to be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. That's all you got to do. Be perfect. Class dismissed. We out of here. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, wait, what do you mean? Be perfect. You ain't perfect. I ain't perfect. Dave ain't even perfect. How do we get this done? Let me help you. Uh, somebody say perfect. That word perfect, everybody, literally means in the Greek to be fully grown. To be fully grown. That word perfect in the Greek, everybody, literally means to be mature. And can I say this to somebody in here? Uh, in any conflict, somebody got to be the grown-up. Oh, God, one, one day. Somebody has got to be the mature one in the group. Yeah. Because I want to, I yeah, amen, yeah. Because I want to share with you, everybody, this is my last illustration, what hate does in the life of a believer. Uh, my kids, are y'all ready? Come on. You know what? I, you, you guys, uh, I'm bringing my children to do this for this last illustration. Thank y'all. I love y'all. Come on, hurry up. I'm on the clock. Now, these are my babies. Babies, say hi to the people. All right. All right. So... 
My wife right now is praying because we did not rehearse this. So um, I want to show you everybody what hate does in the life of a believer. Okay, son, just jump on my back. So what hate does, <laughs> hate attaches itself to you. Uh, Jamaria, Ramaya, come on, you sit on my feet. Ramaya, uh, you on my left foot. Uh, uh, Jamaria, you on my right foot. I'm going to sit right on her. And I'm ready, you got to grab on tight because I got to grab your sister. Yeah, there you go. Come on. Y'all praying? Yeah. So what hate does, get, get, up, get up high on my foot, baby. Get up high on it. There you go. As, as close as you can. Crisscross applesauce. There you go. Ugh. Okay? Now, this is what hate looks like. And as you try to walk with hate, it's real, real hard. All right? Yeah. real hard to do that. Stay here. Now, I say that to say, you know, this was a lot easier when they were little babies. <laughs> I used to be able to do that kind of stuff with no problem. I got like three steps this time. Why? Because they're not little anymore. They've grown. Oh, somebody missed that. Yeah, yeah. See, the longer you hold on to hate, to hate, it don't stay the same size as when you picked it up. It grows. Yeah. To the point to where it's so much of that in your life that you don't have room for anything else. Yeah. Y'all give my kids a hand for helping us out with that. Thank y'all. But can I say that to say this, everybody? It's amazing how much space hate takes up, but it's equally amazing how much space love actually creates. And I believe, everybody, when Jesus is pushing us to forgive and love our enemies, I believe it's less about the enemy and more about us. More about our ability to be healthy. More about our ability to function properly. Because a lot of us, we're like me with that illustration with all my kids all around me. I mean, we still living and we moving. We're living, but we're not really alive. We're, we're functional but we're not really productive, not as productive as, as we could be because we get all of this stuff on us. But what would happen if we begin to release that hate, release those people that hurt us, that jacked us up, that stole from us, all those things, and just begin to love? How that opens us up to receive God's healing, to receive God's next provision for our life, to receive the next promotion that God has got for us, all right? But as long as we here, we can't hold anything else. I told you earlier, in order to love, you got to be first willing to forgive. I'm going to give you one more statement. In order to forgive them, 
you must first be willing to forgive him. This is uh, metaphorically speaking. In order to forgive them, you must first be willing to forgive him. What do I mean? Some of y'all in here, you can't stand men, mankind, or men. And you can't stand men because of one man. One man offended you, now you hate men totally. Well, it's really not about all men. It's just that that one or two guys who you picked, I said it, who you picked, you didn't pray about it. You picked that guy. You picked that girl. And then you wanted God to bless it. But it didn't work out that way. And now you got an issue with all men. All women are gold diggers. All men are no good abusers. Right? If you're going to forgive them, you got to first be willing to forgive him. Whoever that person or that, that thing was. Right? And if you think about it, some of you, you really don't have a problem with black people. You really don't have a problem with white people. You had a problem with one black person, one white person, and now the whole race is jacked up because of that one or two people that you had a bad experience with? Is this making sense, everybody? In order to forgive them, you got to first be willing to forgive him, whoever that person is or that situation was. And it's important that you do it because you're missing out on God's blessing, blackballing an entire group, a race, or a group of people over one or two bad experiences. Not only are you cutting off your effectiveness for the kingdom, but you may also be cutting off your blessings because you never know who God will use to bless you. Just like the Samaritan and the Jewish man. Is this making sense, church? Listen, I want us to get free. We got to get free from this. And it's got to start right here in the Christian church. And I am so grateful for Dave Clark, who is leading us in his vision. He said, yeah, I want a white man and a black man co-leading this church. Because we in the Christian church need to stop this foolishness. Guys, it's got to start with us. Some of you here today, you've dealt with some real pain. And I want to say to you, listen, I'm not saying that this is easy. But in order for you to get free, it may be your confession tonight that's saying, yes, yes, Pastor Ray, I want to get free. And I'm going to lay some stuff down today. But another step may be for you to go seek some Christian counseling or go seek some Christian coaching, or go seek some help from a pastor to help you walk through this, right? But some of us, we just need to grow up, be perfect, right? Because some of us upset about some stuff 30 years ago that's childish. Well, why don't you like her? Well, you don't know. She talked about my outfit, and I can't believe she talked about my, what, really? Really? We upset about that? Really? Right? Grow up. Be mature. Somebody's got to be the bigger person to say no longer. Well, I allow this and that person to, you know, when people show up in your space, they got the power to affect your mood if you allow them to because you holding on to junk. Release that stuff. I'm done.
want y'all to get free. So if you're here tonight, or if you're here today, you're here this morning, and um, you're saying, Ray, I got some stuff that I got to let go. And can I tell you, it's not going to be easy. Paul says, I got to die daily to this. I got to die daily to this flesh. The, the temptation will be you lay it down today and you pick it right back up tomorrow morning. I want to say to you right now, you may need to lay it down today and you may need to lay it down tomorrow morning. And then you may need to lay it down again tomorrow afternoon. And then you may need to lay it down tomorrow evening. And you may need to keep laying it down. For some of you, it's going to be day by day. For some of you, it's going to be moment by moment. But the key is, let's start someplace. So for those of you who raise your hand and you got some enemies and you feel like you need to let go of that and get free. Now, I'm not saying you invite them to your house for Sunday dinner. Don't be foolish. Right? But what I am saying is, do not allow them to have power and authority in places that God never designed them to. All right? If you're here and you want to release some people, you want to get free, and you want to be all that God has called you to be. If that's not you, remain seated. But if it is you, I want you to stand and allow us to pray together. And let's pray together. Yeah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's awesome. I just love this church. People committed to being different. That's what it's all about. Transformation. Not being the same. All right, everybody. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. God, this is a real, real hard principle you laying down for us today. We know our enemies, our neighbors, they may not look like us, or they may. They may not talk like us, or they may. They may be good to us. They may, they may have abused us. And you're saying, yeah, but I want you to love them. I want you to love them. Why do you want us to love them? God, God you want us to love them because, uh, because what we do is who we're connected to. And this world needs to see some things differently. Help us to be Jesus with skin on. Help us to reflect your light and make a difference for you, particularly when things are hard. It's easy to do when everything is adding up. The hard part is when we're going through pain. But, hey, God, you're the God of all circumstances, not just the good. Help us to walk in that with you, God, and that you get glory even in those difficult places. And, God, how do we do it? Well, we got to forgive. And just like you forgave us, we got to be willing to forgive one another. That's the essence of love. Help us to do it, God, today. And help us to take a step after we leave here, not to leave this message and these feelings in here, We'll start walking this out. And this may be with an ex-husband or a family member or a co-worker, whoever that is, God. We're praying for them right now. And however you choose to use us or lead us, what our commitment is, is we're not going to keep that hate in our heart that has no productive place for us. We're going to release that to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and let all God's children say. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.